Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. Jokic behind his back. What a take by Jokic. Your sitter. Wow. Jokic. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to the Pickaxe Pundit Show. You are listening to Nothing But Net Radio. It is 4 o'clock in the Mile High City. I am your host, Zach Mikosh with DenverStiffs.com. And if you have not figured it out, the next hour here on Nothing But Net is all about the Denver Nuggets as the Pickaxe Pundits is the only dedicated Denver Nuggets show on Nothing But Net Radio. So we hope you are here to hear about the Nuggets because that's what we're going to be doing for at least the next 60 or so minutes. Uh, Joining me on the show today, one co-host, it is none other than Chief Moderator Mark Grimaldi down in Boulder. Mark, what's going on? How's it going? Uh, Looks like you dredged the bottom in the offseason and came up with just me, but (laughs) I am happy to be here. That's. I was wondering. I was like, Mark's gonna think like, yeah. I was wondering if you're gonna think exactly that. Like, well, I had no one else. So, no, that was that was not the case. I, uh, you were the first person I asked, and then I could not find, uh, I could not find a third. Because yeah, it's everybody's. You know, everybody's out there. It's it's the middle of summer. They're probably off. You know, camping, enjoying the outdoors or something. And well, I'm just far too lame to do such things. So. I, <laughs> And you found me, ready to go. <laughs> That's right. I was, I was realizing, like, well, maybe I'm, I, am I calling Mark Lane here as well? <laughs> maybe just bit. a little. Maybe we just a little, but I that. appreciate it. <laughs> okay, well, um, so, yeah, we are, um, it's full off-season mode. Like, this, I think we'll, uh. Um, at least to start off this this show, uh, I want to I want to talk about like the the Nuggets score. We had a roundtable on Denver Stiffs uh, about it earlier in the week, and it was it was really interesting. I didn't have a chance to chime in, so I thought I thought we could do that here on the show. But I want to talk about the Denver Nuggets core, what makes up that core, and and what it still needs uh, to take this team to the next level. So we'll spend the first part of the show on that. Then, then we'll turn and, and look towards the the upcoming season. I think uh, everybody expects the Nuggets to make the playoffs, or that's certainly the expectation this year. There's no there's no dancing around it. So I want to talk about what the Nuggets have to do to get there. Uh, who might be the young players to emerge with them uh, to get them to the to the postseason? Uh, 
And and then who else in the West might they face out there when when it uh, comes time to play the elimination games? And then finally, I think I mean we are in the off season. We the Nuggets got pretty much everything they needed to get done in the off season, with one exception: they left the question of Michael Malone still open. Obviously, he is the coach for next season, but he did not get a contract extension. He will be coaching in the final year of his contract. So I think let's we should spend some time talking about coach, talking about what, what should be expected, how he could get himself onto the hot seat, and then, you know, maybe we'll make some predictions about whether or not we think he will end up getting that extension here at some point. So, whereas, uh, despite the fact that uh, the news is slim around the Denver Nuggets, the content is not. How do you like that? There you That's go. Good. Uh, <laughs> this is this is my new slogan. This is my my off season slogan uh, for for the for the Denver Nuggets. I'm trying to compete with some local radio stations who have some some catchy phrases about off season for the Broncos. But that's neither here nor there. Let's get into the show. The Denver Nuggets core, right? This is so. It was funny. I saw this on Twitter just the the other day, and I think I think some Nuggets fans probably got a hold of it. Uh, because it, so basically it was this guy, it was a poll, you know, uh, it said retweet, uh, if, if the Philadelphia 76ers have the better core or if, and like if the Nuggets have the better core. And as it turns out, the Nuggets won, won in a landslide. I think, I think if you're, if you have an honest step back in, in comparison of the two, you probably, I, I, I might even lean Philadelphia. I mean, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, that duo alone is is more potent than than any duo that the Nuggets can put together, uh, regardless of what Mark Markel Fultz, who I guess is the other uh, other part of that trio. Uh, with yeah, with I them. guess with that maybe people were factoring in health because I mean Joel right. Embiid put it together for one season, still didn't play anywhere near eighty two, and if he goes down again, I mean I don't think there's any real competition of Ben Simmons against the Nuggets core at that point. Right, right, yeah, and you just don't know what you're going to get out of Fultz, right? Because he's um, we've yet to I'm see, not... but that I say that 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 was the case with both Simmons and Embiid too, though. Is that they they both sat out their their first their rookie seasons. Uh, I think Embiid what Embiid sat out his first two seasons, if I remember rightly. But and then they both came back and uh, they were they were very talented and obviously are, are very talented players now. So I mean, Fultz could still absolutely pan out though. His injury was kind of weird, but. Yeah, I think you you factor in health quite a bit. Even though I mean, Gary Harris has not ha- had the greatest health. He hasn't had any year long injuries like those guys have had, but certainly has had has been nicked up um, pretty much every season. Gets about about sixty or so games in, so there, there's a little bit of health there. But yeah, but I just don't think if you're looking at raw talent, I mean Simmons and Embiid, that might be those might be the two best players out of uh, out of both of those young cores. We already got off onto a tangent right off the <laughs> right off the bat. This is um, Philadelphia Sports Radio, and we're talking Ben Simmons for the next. That's time. right. That's right. Hey, we could be we could be Australian Sports Radio. That's uh, that's also an option available to us. But no, no. Here's what I want to ask you though, Mark. We're kind of bringing it back to the Nuggets core. So that's who you think about, right? When you think about the young core, you think about Nikola Jokic, Gary Harris, Jamal Murray. These are these are the guys who Denver's going to ride with for the next era. But should there be somebody else? I mean, are there other players that you look at now on this roster who you also kind of consider key components of the next, you know, five or so years? 
So for the five or so years issue, not really. I mean, I think with a healthy Paul Millsap, he should be part of the current core, um, you know, this year. And then I'm imagining, imagining they're going to do some kind of restructuring of his contract after that to keep him around for a couple more. Um, but I don't see him as a long-term piece of the core just because of his age and his timeline being so different. So to me, it really is those three, uh, Murray, Harris, and Jokic. I think there's a lot of guys that would like to think they're competing to be part of that, like Lyles and Wancho. And uh, I mean, who knows what we'll get out of Michael Porter Jr. or Jared Vanderbilt. But right now, I really don't think I'm confident enough in anybody else to say they're part of the real core. You know, there's I agree kind of with every single person you said there. I wouldn't say any of those guys are the core, but I thought you the one guy that you didn't mention who I think you can make the argument for now is Will Barton, right? Because he's he is a little bit older than all those those other three guys, but he's he's still very much in the prime of his career, and he's now locked down for I think what the next four seasons, so he's gonna be here if the Nuggets want him. And when you think about when you think about the the championship type course, when you think about the a team like the Warriors, Andre Iguodala is part of that core, right? He's there and he's their six man and he's a very potent six man. Now obviously Will Barton looks like he's probably gonna start the season, and so maybe he's not he's more of a starter, so even maybe more so of your core. But but I think he he kind of comes into that role. That's where you want him long term in your core as your your six man off the bench. So if I was gonna say one person for sure, it would be Will Barton. And then the other guy would that, that obviously you hope becomes part of the core is Michael Porter Jr., right? That's the guy who kind of you had the whole thing hinging on. And if he actually becomes a high-quality player and, and part of your long-term core, you know, if he ends up meeting his potential especially, then then certainly now you're talking about a core that's that's kind of changed from a, you know, from a, uh, this this is a team who's going to compete in the playoffs to a team that now you think, okay, this team could be one of the next potential dynasties uh, in the NBA. So, I mean, Mark, what about that? Would you think that, would you say uh, Will Barton, since you didn't mention him, I mean, would he be considered part of your core at all, or is he just kind of a a piece? No, I mean, honestly, that's a really good point. Um, I, I probably underrate Barton and underconsider his impact pretty frequently. Um, but I mean, this next contract really should take him into the prime of his career. Usually you're looking at, you know, 28 to 32 as somebody's best basketball years, and he'll be entering those on this contract. Um, I think it was a, maybe a slight overpay, but overall, I think it's a good contract for the Nuggets that they could move down the road if they needed to. So I'm pretty happy with the re-signing and, you know, if he comes out this year as a starter and works within the flow of the offense, and the biggest thing for me is start to work at all on his defense, then I think you're right. He could absolutely be a part of the core. Because uh, with his length and athleticism, I mean, there's no reason he shouldn't be a good two-way player. And um, hopefully I'm forgetting him and not being right about him not being part of the core. Right, right. Yeah, it's that's a good point because, uh, you know, when you look at you look at what this, this group is still kind of missing – it's it's the defensive end, right? I mean, we all know that Nikola Jokic can score and can pass and, and is an absolute monster in offense. We all know about Gary Harris and how good he is off ball, how good of a shooter he is. We've seen him knock down shots in big moments. We all know how Jamal Murray is that guy who can just suddenly go off and, and get 30 points in any night. But none of them, you wouldn't describe any one of them, and you can throw Will Barton into the discussion as well. Uh, you wouldn't describe any of those people as a defensive stopper by any means. I mean, most of them you're going to say are 
are actually negatives on the defensive end. The one guy you think maybe you hope can develop into that is Gary Harris. And while he certainly has the physical tools and certainly so, and somewhat of a reputation, I mean, he actually got a couple of votes for uh, all defensive teams, but he hasn't, if you look at it statistically, it just hasn't shown up yet for him. And, and some of that's just because Gary plays on a bad defensive team and it's, it's really hard to quantify uh, overall defensive ability. So the, the stats are a bit skewed, but it's just, I don't, I wouldn't say that he's there yet. And he's also a little bit undersized for a two guard anyways. So it's hard to see him as kind of that defensive stopper. So that's where they, I think they really, if you're looking at what they still have to add to this core, it's got to be that, that wing defender, right? That, that guy who can defend four through one, and and you know no matter how good of a player he's going up against, you put him on there, and he's at least you know even even the star players of the league, he's at least going to be able to contain him. Mark, I mean, do you think is there anybody on the Nuggets roster who could do that? Is is it basically we're kind of all just hoping Jared Vanderbilt becomes that guy? Yeah, I mean, I think looking right now, if you're looking at kind of the defensive lineups for the Nuggets, obviously a healthy Paul Millsap should perform. Um, I think we've all talked about the fact that Jokic's numbers actually bear out better than the eye test, but no one's going to say he's a stopper or a rim protector in any way. Right. Um, Gary draw Gary Harris draws the tough assignments often, and I don't think the scheme is necessarily guard-friendly, but he does get stuck on screens um, and gets blown by sometimes. So I think he's an okay defender, maybe better than the numbers, but he could definitely improve. Um, and you're right, that wing is really the spot that it's missing, and Will Barton's not going to fill that role. Um, Torrey Craig's a little undersized. Right. Uh, I mean, he's de- he's a decent on-ball defender, but the best moment he had defensively, I think, was on-ball against Damian Lillard. Um, right. I think he's pretty good at with his using his length against smaller guys. So, yeah, I mean, unless – I mean, I can't see Michael Porter Jr. developing into a real defensive stopper either. So I think we're really looking at free agency or, yeah, Jared Vanderbilt. Right. Right. You when you bring up Michael Porter Jr., the thing you think about is the the comparison a lot of people want to make to him in terms of his ceiling is is Kevin Durant, right? And so you you think about maybe throughout his career he could evolve and cuz Kevin Durant was not a good defender when he first came into the into the league, but he has evolved into becoming a really good one. And so Michael Porter Jr. for similar reasons just because of the sheer length and then that athleticism to go with it, you know, he could certainly he could certainly be a great defender, but I think that's I, – I agree with you. I think that's going to take – would take a long time to develop. It's not going to happen right away. So, yeah, I mean, you look at Jared Vanderbilt, and he's the one guy on on the roster right now who makes the most sense to kind of be that guy to fill that, to fill that role. The question, though, is, of course, is is he um, – is he going to be be healthier or at what point will he be healthy enough to actually even start just getting on the court, let alone making an impact? And then the other thing about it is, is, is great to be, you know, a, a really strong defender, but you, but that can't be all you can do. And so if, if Vanderbilt's going to be a guy who's going to be a key point piece of the core, he's going to have to, he's going to have to do more. He's going to have to be uh, a guy who can contribute on offense, which I think he can. I think there, there's definitely some things about his game to like on the offensive end specifically. I mean, I think he's a smart basketball player with some good, uh, some good vision. Kind of fits into a lot of that that playmaking style that the Nuggets want out of their bigs. But doing it, you know, I mean, he didn't get to play a, a ton in college, and so and then doing it, you know, in high school uh, or even doing it in college and doing it in the NBA are totally, totally different things. So that's 
I just, I don't know that, you know, there's a lot of risk there, I guess is what I'm saying with, with Vanderbilt, just because you just don't know, even, even if he gets healthy, you still don't know, is he actually going to be good enough to be, uh, you know, an NBA player, but, um, what do you think about this Mark? I mean, what if, what if the Nuggets like looked outside, like, should they, I mean, Jimmy Butler, right? Like that's a guy that, that his name gets thrown around because of his, his association with Demarius Thomas, but that's also a guy who would fill that need, um, greatly. And, and so, I mean, is that maybe the way that they should be looking to try and make a, a star trade or something like that and trading for a guy like a Jimmy Butler who could kind of, kind of solidify that so right away? I don't away? think there's an immediate need. Um, I think that the Nuggets, as you said in the intro, are, should make the playoffs this year. And I think by most people are projected to make the playoffs, even though the West is going to be a gauntlet this year. But, I mean, if they miss the playoffs this year, I think then maybe the talk, the clock is ticking a bit on the young core, and maybe they do want to look for a veteran piece or a star piece. Um, but I'd really hate to see the Nuggets kind of right. mortgage what they've been working towards now for somebody that, I mean, let's be honest, historically Denver has not done a great job of holding on to star players. Um, and if they were to trade, you know, even just one of Murray or Harris – in a Jimmy Butler trade, and then he walked. I I just don't see that we the Nuggets would be good enough to win in that one year or two years with Jimmy Butler anyway, uh, win the title. And at that point, why mortgage the future and not see what this core could do three, four years down the road? So I'd almost rather stand pat, see what they have, and then obviously if Jimmy Butler wants to come in free agency, you don't say no to a player like that. But unless something right. had happened like... Kawhi saying, yep, I'd re-up in Denver. I don't see why you mortgage the farm. Right. So let me ask you this. Would you trade Would you trade Paul Millsap and Trey Lyles for Jimmy Butler? In a heartbeat. That I would do. So that's kind of the interesting thing, right? Because you can, you can get out of Millsap's contract at the end of the season. Lyles is going to be a free agent. He's not making a ton of money now, but he would be making more. Uh, you know, he'd be in for a, a decent raise. Jimmy Butler has already turned down an extension with with Minnesota, so I mean, essentially, you could just kind of do it in free agency after the season. If you if if Jimmy really wanted to come here, I mean, you could. It would not be hard to create the cap space uh, they need to do it. You know what I mean? Because they've got they didn't really take back anything from the Fareed um, and Arthur trades and Wilson Chandler trades, so they've already dumped that salary. So that's going to be freed up. Uh, now for them uh, into next free agency. So if they wanted to do it, they could. The, the, the only thing I wonder is, is then are you just kind of trading your problem? Okay, now you've got now you've got a wing defender, but now you've got nobody to uh, nobody no big man whatsoever to stop any sort of uh, any sort of uh, pl- offense in the post. You know, so and I, I totally agree with a, that. I guess the only thing that I would consider there is the NBA as it is right now people aren't really scoring that much in the post. I mean, they're, the Nuggets just aren't seeing the post threats that you saw, you know, five or 10 years ago. So if I had to choose between a wing defender that like Jimmy Butler, who can slow down some of the best scores in the league while still putting up 20, 25 points on his own, um, or a power forward who can protect the rim a little, I'm taking a wing defender, but I could certainly see the argument the other way about the last line of defense at the rim. Right, and I no, I, I agree with you though. I think it, when you think about it, uh, you're right. I think the wing defender is probably more valuable. Plus, I think Jimmy Butler. You know, I mean, he's a little bit younger than Paul Millsap, but he he, I think he'd be more of a threat uh, of a scorer. I think he brings a, a little bit different type of attitude 
than Millsap Woodley. I, I just think you you kind of he's a slight upgrade in every way. But that's why I, I was just thinking about the other day how you know really uh, if they want to make that move, they'll have an opportunity next season if everything holds pat. All right, I want to wrap up this core discussion here with 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 kind of a you know, a forecasting question for you. Mark, I want you to I want you to bust out your your crystal ball, uh, put on your you know put on your uh, I guess what what would it be like a turban I guess is what the the genies wear. You um, are outside of my area of expertise. <laughs> <laughs> I could not tell you what a genie's hat is called. <laughs> We're off. We are off the rails here. Um, five years from now, who's the best player on the Denver Nuggets? So this is tough. Um, the obvious answer is Nikola Jokic. Uh, I, I just I can't see anyone getting to the level of kind of basketball IQ and vision that he has on the Nuggets, which just opens up the offense so much. Um, I could see very soon, if not in the next year, Jamal Murray being a better scorer and putting more points on the board. Um, so I think nationally he might start to get a lot of attention. The wild card is obviously Michael Porter Jr. If he hits the ceiling that was projected for him coming out of high school, he really should be the best player on the Nuggets. Um, but just based on his unique ability and how good he already is, even if nationally he's underrated, I think I have to go with Jokic. Jokic, he is the safe pick, right? Nicole Jokic is definitely the safe pick. In in the discussion and and, and and the good and the good pick I would say as well they they're definitely definitely good odds because here's the thing if Jokic isn't the best as long as he's still nothing you know something crazy happens and he got traded or something like that but as long as he's still on the roster you got to think that if he's not the best player then the chances are he's definitely going to be the second best player uh, on the team so it's it's definitely I think the the way that I would go as well but I, I agree with you I think the wild card is Michael Porter Jr. because he when you look at what he accomplished in high school and the people you compare him to I mean one of two things happened either they flamed out because of injuries or they became stars in the NBA you know that the, the, there's really no 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 kind of guy who's like ah he was all right he didn't do too much I mean they're pretty much all one or the other you know you look at they're either a they're either a Kevin Durant or they're a Greg Oden, right? So which one is Michael Porter Jr.? That's that's the way I, th- I think, or that's what still is left to be seen. But if he is healthy and comes back and reaches his potential, then I think yeah, in five years he he ends up being the uh, the best player on the on the Denver Nuggets roster. And like we kind of started this conversation with, that's what they need him to be if they're going to make it to that next level and they're going to become. Uh, that sort of championship contender uh, and, and get it all the way around. So it'll be interesting to see, I, but I agree. I think Jokic is, is probably the, the odds-on pick, but small chance for, for Michael Porter Jr. Jamal Murray also, I mean, Jamal Murray is, is very good. I, I'm a big fan of Jamal's. I just, it's, I, I don't know. I It's just hard to see him getting significantly better than Jokic or even, even just, it's going to be, it's so much for him to, to even get to Jokic's level in his third season, you know, when you think about where Jamal Murray will have to be in his third season compared to where Jokic was in his third season, it's man, that's, there's a big leap still there for him to make. So it's, it, I, I just don't know if he'll ever actually quite get as good as Jokic, which isn't to say he won't be very good. And like you said, I think get a lot of national attention because of the because uh, of the. And scoring. I do think. Absolutely. No, sorry. All but right, let's, I, the one area okay. that 
No, no, no. Get, I would you say can the have one area thought. that he might be able to make up some ground is he's more athletic than I think a lot of us thought he was coming out of college, uh, myself included. And if right. he can improve on the defensive end and become a real two-way player, um, I think people could be talking about Murray be, being one of the better players on the Nuggets. Um, but uh, like I said earlier, I'm higher on Jokic's bad-looking defense than a lot of people, so I, I'd still have to go Jokic. Right. No, yeah, I'm with you on that too. I have always been a big, uh, a big believer in the idea that Jokic is uh, he's got he's got really actually really good defensive pish- positioning. He's got very good defensive IQ. Uh, he's just got slow feet. Is all it is. Slow feet and not yeah. not a lot of leaping ability. So that's there. The, he does that. He actually, I think he actually does about the most that he can with given the physical abilities that he's got. Um, but but still can be better. I mean, you look at a guy like Marcus Saul. He's he's similar, and, and he actually uh, one of the better defenders in the NBA. Um, all right, but we're gonna move on. So I want I want to start looking ahead to to the next season, to the upcoming season. We did a little bit of this last week too, but we'll just keep kind of going. That I think probably <laughs> we'll probably be doing this every week for from here on out. I mean, what else is there to do, right? Uh, <laughs> So, uh, but we, we've been hinting at this. We've been talking about this a little bit about how the Denver Nuggets, there's an expectation this year, right? Without a doubt that the Denver Nuggets should make the playoffs. They've missed the playoffs by one game, two years in a row now. They've had, uh, for the most part during the seasons, they've had playoff positioning and they've lost it late. Of course, then this last season, they lost it a little bit earlier than late and they get, almost get, got it back with a crazy run there right at the end more i mean what do they got to do to where where we're when the last week the season comes around we're talking about them trying to secure home court advantage in the first round rather than just trying to secure a playoff so if we're talking secure home court instead of just a playoff spot i really think it comes down to playing defense um i think a team as good as the nuggets offensively um that if barton is starting and everyone's healthy um, really should be one of the top five offenses in the league. You can be pretty bad defensively and still make the playoffs. Um, they should just be outscoring a lot of people, especially right. uh, just taking advantage of people on second night of back-to-backs and using the altitude and things like that. But if they really want to jump up into one of those top four slots, I, they don't have to be great defensively, but I think they've got to be somewhere between 15 and 20. Um, I don't think you can be one of the 10 worst defenses in the league and expect to have home court advantage with the way the West looks right now. All right. Well, I got to say, this is, this is a big moment on the pickaxe pundits. We've never actually had a member of the organization, but Michael Malone, apparently on the, on the show with us today, (laughs) breaking down what needs to happen. Uh, No, you're right. I mean, defense is the glaring need for the Denver Nuggets, right? They're, 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 a future defensive team, but here's a problem that I think just when we're just speaking in the context of next season, I, d- I just don't see it. I just, I don't see any way it's going to happen. Like they're they're just not going to be a good defensive team. They have Tory Craig and Paul Millsap are the only two defenders they have on the run, and, and Mason Plumley, I guess uh, those are about the only three guys who play a lick of defense. Uh, on their rosters, I mean, we talked about Gary Harris, but I'm I, I'm just not a person who thinks he's there uh, at this point. <laughs> We know Will Barton got a vote for all defensive team. Which yeah, I'd still we, love to know who that vote came from. Uh, I have my theories. I have my theories about who who that uh, who that vote was. Let's just say I think it was more about 
uh, who's who's a big fan of Will Barton rather than uh, thinking about who's the best on defense. But whatever, well deserved for Will. But he's he's not going to be um, he's not going to be mistaken for a defensive stopper anytime soon. So it's just there's just no no I I don't think there's a if you think if that's what you're hoping on for the Nuggets to like get like home court advantage, then I just don't think they're going to do it. I honestly think they though that they can get to a top four seed by while still being a bad defensive team. But what they're going to need to do is what you were talking about. Uh, just to the extreme is is they've got to be taking a, uh, advantage of that home court as much as possible. When you think about when the Nuggets got the the three seed right in the fifty seven win season, they were not a very good defensive team. It was similar kind of this team. They had they had a handful or a couple good good defensive players. One really good defensive player in Andre Iguodala, just like right now they have Paul Millsap, and then they had you know some some guys who who you think could play defense, had the physical tools to play defense, but just didn't really but it really didn't matter because they basically just ran everybody out of the gym every night especially at home court you know that year they were something like 38 and 3 that's probably a little bit much to ask but you know you think about if this team can win 30 games at home go like 30 and 11 at home then all they have to do is go 500 on the road and and they'll be a 50 plus win team and that probably is going to get you pretty close uh to a top four seed so I guess that I would agree that defense is what they they should do, but I just since I don't think it's going to happen, I think that really it's just going to be a focus on they 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 absolutely have to win the games at home, and then they've got to find a way to be five hundred on the road. Which last year they were uh, they they kind of got it together there towards the end, but they they definitely had some big struggles on the road, and and as a young team that can happen. But this is you know this is this core's basically third season together now. They've They've got to move past that. So if they can do that, then maybe they can overcome the uh, the defense. Because yeah, I just don't. I mean, you know, maybe maybe Isaiah, Isaiah Thomas will suddenly become <laughs> he's the not the stopper the worst that the Nuggets player in the league. <laughs> Let's just think about it. You got you're gonna have lineups with Isaiah Thomas and Nicole Jokic. Good in luck there. stopping that pick and um, roll. Yeah, right. No, yeah, I mean, I, I certainly uh, don't expect the Nuggets no to ever be spoken of as a good defense um and with the way the nba is moving and you know paced space and shooting threes you i think there's a lot of games where the nuggets should be able to outscore people with what should be a very powerful offense and win a lot of games um and i guess to me the defense wouldn't be as much of a factor until you actually got in the playoffs and people are scouting each other and then you're seeing that the teams that are actually winning titles um, over and over again, although Golden State has a lot of things going for them, are also good on the defensive end and not just the offensive end. But you might be right. They might be able just to be like that 57-win team in 2015 and just be able to outscore people and get into the playoffs and then have to worry about it then, which I think most Denver fans would be pretty happy about. Right, which is funny. is At this point, you'll take it, right? Because we know it's a flawed design. We know that... That that formula ends up it'll burn you in the playoffs. That's why that's the main reason why the Nuggets struggled in the 2000s to get out of the first round so mightily is because they were a team who just didn't play much defense, ran you out of the gym, and and they won a bunch of games in the regular season. When you get a team rolling in, you know, on the third night of their road trip, and then they're gone the next day, and you don't see them for another two months or something like that. But when you play a team up to seven times in a row they can kind of lock in and take a lot of that away from you. And then suddenly you're stuck into actually having to execute half court offense. 
And that's not that's not what the, the Nuggets do, and that's not what they do well. So we know it, it won't work well as well in the playoffs. But at the, it's funny is is what got George Carl fired because he couldn't get over that hump. Uh, is is something now we'll just take it. You know, is, is if we just want to get some get it's a little bit of playoff uh, action. I think I think that well we we'd be pretty hungry for a first series win. But um, you know, I mean, that's it, it, it's it's I think this year if you just make the playoffs if you can just do that by being by just being an offensive juggernaut, then that's that buys you another year, and it's it's you're just continuing. Everybody can continue to believe that okay, we're on this this progression towards getting better every season. Uh, so then then maybe you it buys you another year to follow up before you got to figure out okay, what are we going to do on this on this defensive end to try and make us more competitive in the playoffs. Uh, okay, let me let's, let's let me ask you. Well, no, here let's do this. So we are right about halfway. So let's go ahead. Let's take a break. Um, and then when I get back, I want to I want to keep looking ahead to the season. I kind of want to talk about some of the young players that we haven't mentioned, the non-core guys, the guys who are still vying to be part of the core, uh, and ask kind of see see which one of those guys we think might emerge maybe into the next key piece to this team. And then we'll wrap up kind of our, our preview of the season. We'll look at we'll just kind of get our uh, give some guesses as to who's going to be in the playoffs and who's going to be out out in the Western Conference. Then to wrap up the show, uh, we're going to get a little discussion about Michael Malone. I think we, we you know we know Mike Nora Mike Nori uh, left last season, so I want to talk some more about uh, about that kind of trend. And then and then you know I think Coach Malone, like I said at the to start off the show, he's he's the one thing in the off season that they didn't resolve. So we uh, it's an interesting discussion about what kind of leash he will have as the season starts. So let's go ahead, let's hit a break, and we'll be right back. We've all been there. When the budget's the tightest or a time is the shortest, that's when disaster strikes. The last thing anyone wants to deal with in these times is an electrical issue in their home or business. Maybe your light suddenly won't turn on, or maybe a home inspector wants that electrical service changed before you can close out on a property you're selling. Heck, maybe it's not even an emergency at all and you're just looking to finish out your basement or get some power ran to that new AC unit. Whatever your need may be, give Sun Electrical a call. They're a family-owned and operated business that serves the front range and you can be assured that you'll not only get the highest quality service, but you'll also get the most affordable price as well. Mike, the owner of Sun Electrical, will come to your home or business personally to evaluate your situation and provide a free estimate. And he stands by the work Sun performs as a fully licensed and insured electrical contractor. So give him a call, 719-659-6888. Don't be fooled by the phone number as they'll serve the entire front range from Colorado Springs to Fort Collins and everywhere in between. That's 719-659-6888. 719-659-6888. Sun Electrical, the home of truly affordable electrical work. everybody welcome back into the pickaxe pundit show zach mikosh mark grimaldi from denversist.com we are talking all things denver nuggets here in the four o'clock hour on nothing but net radio 
Uh, we spent that whole first part of the show basically talking about the Denver Nuggets core uh, and then looking a little bit towards this upcoming season and, and what it took to get or what it's going to take for the Nuggets to get in the playoffs. I want to keep looking towards the season. So, Mark, we talked about, you know, Jokic and Murray and, and Harris. We talked a little bit about about Will Barton and even Michael Porter Jr. Obviously, we, we don't expect a lot out of out of Porter Jr. this season. I think anything you get out of him is is essentially a bonus. Nobody, if, if he ends up sitting out the entire year, that I think is something that everybody has, has will has come to terms with is that it's a possibility. Um, so, so when you think about the other young guys, when you think about the, the Wancho Herning Gomez's, the, the Malik Beasley's, the Trey Lyles, the Tyler Lydon's, which, I mean, which one of those guys is, is going, do you think has a chance to kind of have that breakout season this year and end up actually becoming a piece uh, long-term for this team? So to me, I think the person I'm most excited to see this year, and I think the person that fits the bill that might have a breakout year is Juancho Hernan Gomez. Um, I think that everybody saw real signs of potential early uh, when he was younger. And then before last season in Eurobasket, it looked like he had put on some muscle um, and was really playing well. He obviously had a disappointing summer league, but um, he had also just had LASIK and was wearing the goggles and things like that. And I just... I mean, last year was a lost season, and you can't really blame him. Uh, the couple times he did get out, it it well, looked like he was dying. He just didn't have the endurance. You can um, you can kind of blame him. <laughs> that's true. I mean, he he probably had a little too much fun in Eurobasket, <laughs> to be honest, uh, leading to the issues uh, during the year. But I mean, a guy with his size and his shooting ability on a team that is lacking on the wing. Um, I mean, even if Barton is holding down the starting three, uh, that does leave some time at backup three. And then I do think it's a little funny that people seem to hold it against Wancho and say, what position is he? But when you look at a team like Boston or teams that are successful, there's a lot of guys you could say that about. And I think good teams make it work. So I think that gets held unfairly against him. Um, I mean, I do question who he's best to guard, uh, whether that's threes or fours. But like we talked about in the last segment, let's put points on the board first and worry about defense second because that's the way this roster is constructed and so i would love to see a real breakout year from wancho wancho's a good choice because you're right he looked really good coming into last season and then obviously with uh with the illness and everything then he um he he like you said he had just had a lost year because even when he got back healthy and the interesting thing about mono you know is it's like you can get back onto the court relatively quickly, but but it just saps so much of your strength that it takes a long time to build that back up, especially if you're a, uh, a professional athlete. So by the time, you know, he, he was probably ready to go that at that point, the nuggets were pretty much locked into we're chasing a playoff spot. So there was, there was no opportunity to insert him because they were already trying to figure out how to get Tory Craig back in to the whole, to the rotation after the whole, you know, 45 day, nonsense thing so that that was the the space that they basically had open and they were going to give it to craig as soon as they could as soon as they knew they had enough days to just bring him back up full time so he wancho just never really got that opportunity the the question is will he get that opportunity this season i think i think if you look at the nuggets right now in their rotation he's probably on the outside looking in because i i think coach moan's probably going to try and run try and run a nine-man rotation. That seemed to be where he settled on last season. And if you're thinking about those four guys off the bench, well, it's probably Isaiah Thomas, um, uh, Torrey Craig, 
Trey Lyles and Mason Plumley, right? So where does Wancho fit in there? It's hard to say. And what, what, but what the thing is that, and what makes I think this question tough in particular is so many, so many times why a, a young guy breaks out because another guy gets hurt, right? Because an injury creates an opening in the rotation, and and what I think makes it difficult for both Wancho and, and Tyler Lydon is is there's still this kind of question, you know. So so if Paul Millsap got hurt or Trey Lyles gets hurt. Which one of them plays? Which one of them doesn't play? If the one who's playing starts to falter, gets the slow start, how quick does he have a leash for the other one? It could be, it could be tough. You know, it could end up being a tough development situation for those. Which is why I want. I think potentially Malik Beasley actually has the best, uh, in my mind, the best opportunity to have a breakout season because one, you're going to have Isaiah Thomas, who's who we know has had some hip issues, which sometimes can linger. We saw that with Wilson Chandler. So there could be, there could be some soreness or something that causes him to miss some time without. And then with the nuggets without, uh, um, you know, w- would they rather go with Malik Beasley or Monty Morris? I guess you'd have to see there. Uh, the Nuggets are also, but you also have a guy, you know, Will Barton's playing small forward. Torrey Craig's going to go back and forth between shooting guard and small forward. So you're a little bit thin there as well. If you're one of those guys was to get hurt, you'd probably have to bring in Malik Beasley. So I the th- I think you're right in the sense that Wancho's probably the most talented of the guys that are that are kind of waiting to break out, I think Wancho might be the guy who, if given a fresh opportunity somewhere else where they had definite minutes for him, would flourish the most. But just looking at the potential opportunities here that the Nuggets have, I don't wonder if that Malik Beasley is the guy who ends up actually getting the, the chance. And, and then whether or not he makes the most of it, I mean, will remain to be seen. But if he and coach kind of hinted at this during summer league, if Malik can, can focus on the defensive end, it's funny. We just keep talking about it all season or all, all show <laughs> long, but if he can focus on the defensive end, there's another guy who really could be a strong defender. If, if he's willing to make that a focus. And that's something that could definitely, you know, you know, that'll get you into coach's rotation. If you can do that, that's what got Tory Craig, the guy who's basically taken, taken Malik's spot. Uh, that's what got him into coach's rotation. So, it's a, it's a, it's going to be an interesting thing though. You know, it's it's funny though that neither one of us uh, mentioned Tyler Lydon or Trey Lyles. Uh, I mean, I think Trey Lyles will get time. I, I liked a lot what we saw from him last year on that stretch where he was shooting fifty five percent from three. It was hard not to like it. Right. Um. I think I think he's talented. I, I think he's good. Um. I guess I just see a little higher of an upside with Wancho, but to be honest, I'm not really sure why they're very similar players. I think they um, both are a little less athletic than you would ideally like. Both can shoot. Um, both are probably a little bit defensive liabilities. So um, it's hard to say why I'd be higher on one than the other, especially when Lyles actually played and we saw what he could do. Um, that being said, if I picked Tyler Lydon as my breakout player for next year, I don't know if you're inviting me back. <laughs> so, uh, then we'll just, we'll just start calling you Dan Lewis. Uh, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. Well, Tyler, I mean, Tyler Lydon was one of those guys I was really watching in summer league, and he just he didn't have a great summer league. I mean, he was he was just so so so. Um, well, I don't know. I a guy who I think I think is probably on the outside looking in. The funny thing is, though, it, it, it all can change in training camp. It really can. I mean, I think. All of those guys, Trey Lyles, Tyler Lydon, Wancho Hernan Gomez, Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, they're all kind of, I don't think any one of those guys has a guaranteed roster spot at, at this moment. And so it, there's still an opportunity for any of them 
to to step their uh, step up their game and 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 seize the opportunity before the season even starts. Uh, I, I just I think though I think Trey Lyles has got to kind of be the guy who's who's at least uh, in the front runner because like you said he's he's who we've seen. Uh, we've seen what he can do in the in the actual games. We've seen that same with Tory Craig as well. So that's why I think those guys are the front runners. But it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, man. I don't know. It, it'll just depend. I think, like I said, it just really depends on who who gets the opportunity and then if they're if they're able to make the most of it. All right, so let's 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 wrap up our our preview of the of of the season for th- for this week. We'll find three new topics to discuss next week. Uh, on this, on this very, very subject, but Mark, I, so it's probably, okay, let's, let's, let's go through the, so would you say Golden State and Utah, right? Or not Utah, Golden State and Houston, those two teams are locks to make the playoffs, right? Yeah, I think Houston is a little worse than they were last year. I don't think that's a controversial statement given, uh, they lost Mbamute right. and Ariza, but I they think they've still got to be a lock. Yeah, exactly. So they're a little worse this year than they were last year. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think those two are probably locks. I, I would think Utah is probably right. a lock for me too. Um, I can't. It's probably the rest is fairly open. Um, I don't know. What you, are there four locks for you or three? Um, there's probably four. I would say so. The the three teams you mentioned, I would say Oklahoma City. I think is probably a a pretty strong lock because right they don't have mellow yeah, anymore that's... so <laughs> <laughs> yeah you're you're probably right about and that. and then you and know you get you... something weird would have to happen for them to right out. i mean the that that duo of westbrook and paul george is just um just a little too potent for them not to get there but then you've got i think then you've got really i mean there's there's probably about like seven or so teams to vie for those last four spots because we got obviously the nuggets are in there the spurs you know the spurs made the playoffs last year without Kawhi leonard so granted they traded him but now they have demar Derozan uh on the on the team so they actually you can make an argument the spurs are better this this year you uh you have obviously the the other teams who made the playoffs last year in, in the pelicans the the portland trailblazers um i think i'm forgetting one team here timberwolves timberwolves, timberwolves. Shout out to Stuart Scott, uh, but um, to, yeah, you got the 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 T Wolves as well. They they should be back, and then and then I think this, you got obviously like we said the Nuggets, and then there's 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 the teams who were right there. The Clippers were right there last year, and the one I think there's a couple dark horses out there as well. Like when you think about a team like Memphis, if Mike Connolly is back, it was full strength. They've got Marcus All. I like Kyle Anderson. I think that was a big good pickup for them. I mean, they're kind of a dark horse team as well to make the to make the playoffs. And then I was trying to think. There's probably one other team. Uh, oh, uh, the Lakers. Uh, the the Lakers, the Lakers, obviously. Yeah, yeah with LeBron now as as well are going to be are going to be there. And then I, I you know you think about Dallas. They got DeAndre Jordan. They still have Dirk, Dennis Smith Jr., Luka Doncic. Who would you? I guess Mark. Who would you fill out those last four spots with? So. If we have Golden State, Houston, Oklahoma City, and Utah as the top four, I can't pick LeBron to miss the playoffs. Um, I I hate every other offseason move LA has made. Um, I know they're all on one year deals, so it seems to be a planning for the future thing. But I, I I just don't understand that fit. But it's LeBron, so I I think he's got to at least get the eight seed. Right. Um. So that would be five. Um. 
I think that a healthy Nuggets team, maybe this is homerism, but I'm probably putting them in two. I don't see any reason that the Timberwolves would fall out as long as Jimmy Butler is still on the team, um, which would give me seven. And then we're down to, what, Portland? San Antonio. Oh, I, yeah, I think you're right about San Antonio. I mean, DeRozan, say what you want about his playoff performances. He always performs in the regular season. He's a 25, 27-point scorer, and he's replacing Kawhi, who had almost zero production last year. So that and how many years does Pop have left? So I guess that's my aid. I, I can't pick the Spurs to fall out either. There you go. All right. Uh, sorry, Blazers fans. But but it, they're like Wizards West. They looked really promising three years ago, but it's gonna but, fall. Out. But it's over now. They're taking overweight pictures for Team USA. Um, and no, it's, <laughs> um, that's not a bad. That's not a bad list at all. Because I agree with you. I, I, the Nuggets, uh, I think are going to be in there. I don't think you can count against LeBron and the Lakers. I think they should at least be able to get in. The you know you know what I think they're doing. I think the Lakers realized pretty quickly that they weren't going to be able to get Kawhi Leonard, and so there really wasn't any sort of options. You know, you could take a chance on on Demarcus Cousins. You could you could there, but there really wasn't any other big free agent signing options that they had out there. So they they basically just talked it through with LeBron. They're like, look, LeBron, we can't we can't really get you the support yet this year. So we could just we'll just sign a bunch of one year deals. What do you want to do with that? And he's like, let's just pick a bunch of people who we can just like basically you know beat up the Warriors with. Like let's pick a bunch of guys who are just going to get super physical and just. 100% kind of play that mental game with them. Like, I'm surprised they didn't try and get Kevin Garnett out of, uh, out of, <laughs> out of retirement to come play for them. But that, I seriously think that's what the Lakers are doing is they're just going to try and punk the Warriors for a, a series. And then next year they'll, they'll reload and actually make a run at it. Um, and they're going to have a ton of cap space next year since almost all of those are one-year deals. Right, so they right. They should, if free agents want to go there, they'll have the room. Which somebody, if free agents will want to go there because LeBron's there now, you know, that's the thing. Like, it was one right. thing to be like, oh, it's the Lakers and we've got the whole, you know, the glitz and the glory and you, but you're like, yeah, we just kind of sucked for a while now. Uh, and now they got LeBron, though. It's like, oh, you want to come play with the greatest player uh, right now playing. So uh, I, th- I think they don't have any trouble trouble recruiting there i I, the the last two spots though are are hard for me as well because if you look at portland i mean they still have cj mccallum they still have damian lillard um they still basically have the same team now they they got really lucky last year but they were a three seed they were they were the they did finished out better out of any of that kind of whole grouping three through three through ten so they're 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 a tough one for me to pick against i do think new orleans there's part of me that believes New Orleans will be really, really good because Anthony Davis. They were really still really good even when Cousins was out last year when when Anthony Davis was at full strength. But Anthony Davis is a guy who's had health issues, and I just wonder if you know last year when he was out, they had Cousins healthy and he kind of picked up the slack. I wonder if that if if they can overcome uh, the loss of Cousins. So I I kind of rule them out, and so it comes down to man. I, San Antonio or like the T-Wolves or one of these kind of other fringe teams. I don't think of those other fringe teams. I think they're going to have an outside chance. I don't think they get in. I wonder though, if the Timberwolves are going to be able to, I I think they're going to be headed towards a lot of drama and I wonder if they're going to be able to keep it all together. It seems like it's turning into a fairly bad situation with Jimmy Butler out there in, uh, in Minnesota and, and that they're going to have to do something sooner or later or risk losing their locker room. So I wonder if they're going to be, if they're actually going to be the team, another team that doesn't fall out. So I'd probably, I'd probably say Portland and, and San Antonio is those last two, last two teams on my end. 
Um, what do we got here on time? Yeah, we, so we got a little bit. So let's let's close up the show. I, we'll just kind of talk talk about Michael Malone, kind of in general terms. So obviously, Mark uh, Mike Nori leaves to go to Dwayne Casey's staff in Detroit. That is the third year in a row now. Uh, a coach's assistant coach has left Michael Malone's staff in the offseason. Is there? Uh, I mean, should there be any reason people should be concerned about that trend? So I think unless we knew more, um, absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, there was Ed Pitney, Chris Finch, Micah Nori. Um, I think I'm forgetting someone uh, Chris else. Chris Fleming. Yeah, that um, they lost Fleming and Pitney the same year, right. and then Finch, and then Nori. And for some of the guys, you know, there was some understanding. Um, you know, they were going to, you know, play with, coach with people that they had gone to college with or, right. you know, it was technically a promotion. But the Mike and Nori one, from what I can tell, is just a lateral move. Um, he's not a head assistant there, um, just like he wasn't here. Um, it, you just don't hear about this kind of movement in other coaching staffs to lose four pretty prominent coaches in three years. Right. And so if we had heard other reasons for it, I think maybe you could say, okay, it's a coincidence, but it's no big deal, but we're just not hearing those kind of things. And so I think this is kind of a, where there's smoke, there's fire thing. It just seems really strange to me that everything would be, uh, you know, a happy coaching staff and everyone's enjoying their job there yet every year a prominent member leaves. Right. So uh, the one thing that, 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 that uh, to say about Micah leaving, cause you're right in terms of promotion, it is a, it seems to be fairly lateral. It's not. Uh, it's not like he's been made a lead assistant or anything like that. So, but he does have a history with uh, with Dwayne Casey back in Toronto before he started coaching. Before Nora Nori came to Malone staff. The other thing is about assistant coaches is they're tied to the head coach in terms of if the head coach gets fired, everybody gets fired, right? Michael Malone's in that last year of his deal. Dwayne Casey just signed a brand new deal in Detroit. So you wonder if it, if if it wasn't somewhat just motivated by job security, right? That if he can going to Casey's staff, he knows he's at least got two, three seasons uh, before before Detroit's going to shake anything up. Whereas it, for all he knows, you know, twenty games into this year. They're, uh, they, they could be, if they're not starting out so hot, you know, the, the whole coaching staff could be going through an overhaul. Uh, so that's, that would be the thing that I would wonder. It's hard to read into it. And so I try not to too much, you know, because the, there's so much about just, you know, it's just about who, who you want to work with. Maybe you want to work with old colleagues or old friends. Somebody you might have a slight, not to say you have a bad relationship with one person, but you just have a slightly better one with another. I try not to read into it too much. I mean, it doesn't, there's never been any sign of discontent among, it's not like, it's not like Adrian Dantley, you know, complaining about having to move what, back, back to the back bench um, with George Carl, right? There is no, there is right. no clear public discontent or anything. So I, I try not to read into it too much, but it is, it is kind of, um, I, I don't want to say troubling, but uh, a peculiar trend to see that it, it happens every off season. Uh, Mark, so here to close up the show, I guess give me give me this. What I, I like, I was saying there that Nori might want to leave because there, there's a potential this could end up being a rocky rocky season for job security and for Denver Nuggets coaches. If you had to, what what do you think it would be it would take for the Nuggets to to make a move in season with Coach Malone? Like, how bad would they have to start off um, for him, for the Nuggets to be like, okay, we're gonna we're gonna make a change. 
So during the season, we did a podcast and talked about whether or not Malone is on the hot seat. And we all agreed that he wasn't that year because the Nuggets weren't likely to pay two coaches. And so if anything, they would let him play out, uh, coach out his contract. Right. Um, I think it's somewhat telling that he didn't get an extension. Um, they could have given him an extension if they said, this is our guy, no matter what, for the next few years. Right. So I do think this is a year that the front office has to be looking to see something from uh, Malone and the team uh, to have a move in the in midseason instead of letting him coach out the year. I think that they would have to be come out very, very slow um, to the point where it would be difficult to make it back into the playoffs or have a real locker room issue where players or other people are starting to come out and talk in the media and you hear the rumors about how someone's losing the locker room. I think if it's one of those two things or a combination, he could end up on the hot seat. Um, otherwise, I think they probably watch and see if the Nuggets make the playoffs and if they do, how they do. Right. Right. Yeah. I, I, there's, I guess there's, you think about, so you think about when Jeff Bizdelic got fired uh, pretty early on in the year. That was the Mellow's sophomore season. They had, they were actually, the Nuggets were coming off of a playoff appearance. He gets fired. I thought, man, it must have been like about 20 games in. They had an interim coach. Michael Cooper was an interim coach for, for a few games, and then George Carl comes on. They go on a crazy run, and they get back into playoff position. <clears throat> it would take something like that, I think, for, for the Nuggets. They, they would either have to be in a situation where early on, you know, they start out something like, let's say they start out like, you know, the first first 20 games are like 7-13 and 13 or something like that, where they're at that – that very, very kind of sweet spot where it's like the things are not going well. This isn't, this is looking like we, we could miss the playoffs and the season's not going to turn out where we want it to, but there's still enough time where we can make a change and, and get back into this thing. So I could see them doing it either then, or if they get eliminated, you know, at any point, if they were to get eliminated from playoff competition uh, or whether mathematically or just uh, mentally, then, then I think that they would uh, the, at that point you would have to move on because yeah, if, I think if if you coach miss you know well not not coach uh, you shouldn't put the blame all on him because it's it's a team thing but if the Nuggets were to miss the playoffs for a third year in a row uh, under coach's tenure, especially in kind of an agonizing fashion like they have, I think that you you can't get rid of all the players so you got to make a change something to do something and. Uh, then, then that would be the the case where they might may let coach go. But I think we both agree the Nuggets are going to make the playoffs, right? So I, I think we would both have to agree that in our eyes, um, the coach Malone is probably going to get a new contract at some point here because he will get this team uh, kind of to that next step. Yeah, and I mean the other thing about moving on from a coach mid-season is. Outside of, I mean, you pointed out George Carl coming in and the Nuggets fighting their way back. Um, but I mean, for the most part, when teams fire their coach midseason and promote an interim coach, you don't see a huge turnaround. Right. Um, and usually that interim coach, for a reason, isn't the head coach the next season. And there's just not a lot of great coaches sitting waiting to get jobs that would be available if the Nuggets fired Malone during the season. So unless there's a real reason the front office thinks in my opinion at least unless they think you know we have to get this guy out of here or we're just kind of sick of seeing the product on the floor there isn't a ton of good options to move towards right um, and that makes it tough right no yeah i agree 100 there's not a george carl type 
coach just sitting out there uh, waiting for that phone call. I mean, there, there's some guys doing some TV that you might you might think would uh, would be a candidate, but that's kind of a move you make off season, not not mid season. All right, we are out of time, so we are gonna we're gonna have to wrap it up here. Um, uh, you guys make sure make sure you're following us on on Twitter. I am at Zach Mikosh. Uh, Mark's actually not on Twitter. You just have to go follow him over in the comments section on Denver Stiffs. But uh, if you're if you really want to talk to him, all you have to do is just start acting up, and he will he will be sure to to t- touch base with you privately. Uh, <laughs> on that, we'll have a nice chat. There you go. There you go. You can also follow you can follow the Denver Stiffs at Denver Stiffs. Uh, nothing but net radio is at MBN dash radio. Um, make sure you're following us over on Instagram at the Denver Stiffs and on Facebook. Give us a follow. Give us a like. You do see some. Facebook specific content over there that you're not going to get anywhere else, not even on the website. So it's good to always check that out. You can always see Mr. Brendan vote on Mondays doing his kind of Monday mailbag, doing a Facebook live. That's always fun to talk some nuggets over there. So make sure you're checking that out. If you guys are listening to the podcast version of this, first of all, why are you not listening to nothing but net radio? You can download the Dash Radio app right on your phone, listen in your car, listen to it at work, uh, you can listen on to your computer as well, tune it to the Nothing But Net channel. You can hear us every 4 p.m. on Saturdays, but you can hear team-specific shows, general NBA shows, and just some really good music throughout the week, so definitely worth listening to, definitely on my dial uh, every day for my drive in and to, uh, from work. All right. Like I said, we are out of time. So Mark, I appreciate it, sir. A good show as always. Thanks. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. It's time to get serious about California's failing infrastructure. More than 1,600 bridges are structurally deficient. Proposition 6 will make things even worse. Prop 6 eliminates more than $5 billion annually in dedicated transportation funding. And 6 kills local traffic relief projects already underway. That's why the California Professional Firefighters and California Association of Highway Patrolmen all say no on 6. Paid for by no on Prop 6. Stop the attack on bridge and road safety. Sponsored by business, labor, local governments, and transportation advocates. Committee major funding from California Alliance for Jobs. I'm Jay Farner, CEO of Quicken Loans, America's premier home purchase lender. We've created a new way to protect you from unpredictable interest rates. Our exclusive rate shield approval. First, we lock your interest rate for up to 90 days. Then if rates go up, your rate stays locked. But if rates go down, your rate drops. Either way, you win. Call us today at 800-QUICKEN or go to rocketmortgage.com. Racial approval only valid on certain 30-year fixed rate loans. Call for cost information and conditions. Equal housing lender. Licensed in all 50 states. NMLS number 3030. Additional conditions or exclusions may apply.